You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Everybody, good evening. Welcome to Review and Preview. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, running it solo right now. We're going to have an action-packed show tonight, having a very special guest joining me at 7.30. That is Connor Walsh, who is a big Boston Bruins friend, uh, fan and hockey enthusiast. Really looking forward to having Connor Walsh on the show. He's going to join us at 7.30. Quick reminder, if you're new to this podcast, if you have not watched this before, give us a follow on Facebook like our page at Review and Preview Sports. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at Review and Preview. Subscribe to the audio version of this podcast on the Anchor and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. We had a video absolutely explode last week when we had our NFC East roundtable. want to thank you all so much for the support with that live stream with Marty Joins, Brian Attard, and Sporty Jordy. Really appreciate all the love and support you guys continue to give to the brand here at Review and Preview Sports. Really do appreciate it. And at this time, I'm going to bring up my co-host here, Kyle Russo. Kyle, welcome to the show. How are you? Gotta love Wi-Fi, Tom. Gotta love Wi-Fi. I know. You made me start off solo there. I pulled a little James uh, Seinfeld music to stall a little bit, see if you'd be ready. So uh, went live a minute or two late, but uh, we got you on now. So, uh, yeah. If, listen, if I drop, that's the reason why. But gotcha. just putting that out there. That Long Island Wi-Fi is something else, isn't it? It's uh, it's something. But yeah. as I just told the folks, Kyle, we're going to have Connor Walsh on tonight. Really looking forward to that segment, talking with him about his Boston Bruins and the rest of the NHL playoffs. Tonight is going to be an exclusive hockey show where we preview the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Really looking forward to it. Um, but first, we're going to start talking about the new playoff format. We'll talk about the Rangers Islanders. They play two games later this week into the weekend. So I'm really looking forward to that. But Kyle, I kind of want to dive into your thoughts on the new playoff format this year. So folks, what it is, is the top four teams in each division advance. The one seed will play the four seed in that division. Then the two seed will play the three seed. The winners will face off. Then the champs of each division meet in the semis. And then, of course, the winners of that will play in the Stanley Cup final. So I want your initial thoughts on it uh, from an Islanders fan perspective, and then I'll give you my thoughts. Do we think this format should stick or should it be changed next season? I want to hear what you're thinking. I think that I don't have any arguments against the playoff breakdown of of how it formats bracket-wise. I think what a lot of people and a lot of NHL fans can agree upon is just the breakdown of how the divisions played out, where how – some of these teams where you have such a competitive division like the East, right, where you have top-heavy teams like Pittsburgh, Washington, the Islanders, Boston, 
and the Rangers and what was expected to be the Philadelphia Flyers that didn't necessarily pan out, but five really good teams, right? Whereas you look at a division like the West and the different uh, the margin between a team in Minnesota who stands at three and St. Louis is almost 20 points. I think that's where a lot of people have their issues with is how divisions unfolded. And obviously the NHL couldn't have predicted stuff like this to happen. They broke it down, especially the North, broke it down based on strictly Canadian teams, as we know that there are COVID restrictions and trying to keep them as safe as possible, as well as remaining within the Eastern Conference, even though some teams had gotten taken out of the what was the Metro division, like for the fact that the Islanders and Rangers and all those other teams within the Metro don't play teams like uh, the Florida Panthers. Like They don't play teams like the Carolina uh, Hurricanes. I think that's where people have a lot of problems with. And to me, I don't really have a problem with it because to be quite honest with you, I think at the end of the day, yes, it might. I'm not going to say a facade, but maybe these teams look better than they are. I think that leads for a more intriguing playoffs versus you're in the same division. Uh, you already know the standings. You know what's going to be the case scenario because you're seeing these teams beat up on each other versus this Eastern Conference where you have Philadelphia, New Jersey, and Buffalo who are three really bad teams. Is that you know expanding the points? Is that making you more competitive? Or is that... You know, you look how close it is. Are these four really good teams or four teams that are taking advantage of an easier schedule? I think that's what's to be predetermined. And to be quite honest, I actually kind of like that. Well, this is my problem with it, right? As a Rangers fan, obviously, we're the five seed right now in the Mass Mutual East, and our division is absolutely stacked. I think the issue that I have is obviously, I mean, it makes sense with the scheduling this year with playing only divisional teams, but it hurts our playoff stock as where we're better than a lot of these teams that in other divisions that are probably going to make the playoffs. For example, the Arizona Coyotes, the St. Louis Blues. As of this year, we're better than those teams record-wise, and there's a good chance we don't get in. I don't see us knocking out the Bruins. I don't see us knocking out the Islanders. Uh, We do have a comment from Hank. Hank, what's up? LGR, that's right. Let's go Rangers. Big game tonight. Big game tonight against the Caps in Washington. That's going to be a tough one, but – Folks, you can just do what Hank did, comment in the comment section. Really appreciate all the love and support from our fans. As a reminder, we do have, speaking of the Bruins, Connor Walsh, Bruins super fan, will be joining us later tonight at around 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, Kyle. But uh, you're right. I do think the playoff format is decent. I prefer the old previous format with the eight oh, teams. Yeah, me too. Me too. Conference. Don't don't get it Don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. I want to go back to that old one. But, yeah, Hank just alluded to it as well. The Islanders are playing the Capitals, not the Rangers. The Rangers play Buffalo tonight. But um, That's right. That's right. Don't get it twisted. I want it to go back to its old format. But based on, you know, lack of time to really necessarily prepare for something like this, have to deal with the fact that whereas in any other sport you have heavily out-of-country teams within within Canada, eight teams to have to worry about that, those alone – can't be a part of your American team uh, games whatsoever. Right. I mean, that 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 leaves an issue. So for what they did, I think it's a good job. Obviously, listen, if things get back to normal and restrictions get, you know, lessened, then of course I want to go back to the old format because I had no problem with it before. But under the circumstances, you have to be accepting upon it. Absolutely. I definitely agree. And if you can't adapt to the format and make the playoffs, then you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. That's a good point, too. So let's look at the East right now. Pittsburgh clocks in first in the East, 32, 14, and three. The Capitals are right 
are right behind them, 31, 13, and four. Then your New York Islanders are third, 29, 14, and five. The Bruins are fourth at 27, 14, and six. And then my Rangers are fifth, just four points behind the Boston Bruins. So I'm a little excited as a Rangers fan. We are 7-2-1 and one in our last 10 games. We're now 25-18-6 on the season. We've surpassed Philadelphia. I think we're actually in a decent spot to compete with the Bruins down the stretch. I, now, I don't think we're going to get in, but I think there's a real good chance that the Rangers uh, compete with the Bruins late down the stretch. As we, as we have a comment from Alec Wall, good friend of ours from Down the Block Sports. Make sure to go check him out and his YouTube channel at Down the Block Sports that he runs. He does some awesome stuff, a lot of NFL draft coverage. He says, God, I hope Toronto still finds a way to choke, even though their path may never be easier. Alec, the only thing I have to say to that, and I can't agree with you more, is that they have all the talent possible necessary to win. I just don't – and it's been the last couple of years. I don't really trust their goalie situation. Jack Campbell's been good in placement of Frederick Anderson, but when it's been Anderson, he's been – he hasn't been the greatest the last couple of years, and it's because of all that money that they have put on the ice with John Tavares, with Mitch Marner, uh, William Nylander, Austin Matthews. I know they just brought in TJ Brody in the offseason. Yeah. I mean, they don't have any money to spend on that goalie position, which you see is is not a solid standpoint right now, which when you're contending, that's what you need, definitely. He brings up a really good point, and so does Hank following up here. Remember, if we were within two to four points of Boston, it's possible our last two games are in Boston. Um, yeah. I do, I do agree, Hank. Um, but remember – why is our record as good as it is? What's been giving us this opportunity? We won four games against the Sabres, Kyle. Uh, we, we, we spoke a couple weeks ago and said that the Rangers would have to win all four of these games, and they wound up doing just that. So yeah. I think that's really key. And, you know, as we look at the Rangers as a team a little bit, uh, Artemi Panarin leads the team with 56 points. I, I want to get your take. Do you think this Rangers team makes the playoffs? I'm not going to exclude them and say that they're not going to make the playoffs. I think the reason why I say that it's going to be very difficult to see them making the playoffs is because Boston's next four opponents are Buffalo twice and New Jersey twice, which essentially means that the Rangers cannot afford to even go to overtime with any of these games and pull away with one point. They have to win every single one of these games up and coming. And after they're done with that, then they end their season off two times against Boston. I right. mean, that's that's where it becomes very difficult, and I just I don't see it particularly happening. I mean, I get it. Boston did lose a game to Buffalo, so it it is proven that they can do that, where they could lose to a game and a team like Buffalo where we might scratch it as an easy win, and it might not necessarily be so. But the Rangers got a tough upcoming schedule after this Buffalo game tonight. They face the Islanders twice, then they play Washington twice. And then end off against Boston, whereas Boston, four of their remaining six or seven games are against New Jersey, who's one of the worst teams in the league, and Buffalo, who's still one of the worst teams in the league. Right. And speaking of Buffalo, they did beat them on Sunday. They beat them 6-3 to three off of three first-period goals. Mika Zabinijad had a hat-trick in this game. He had two of those goals. Capo Caco had the other. Caco had two goals in this game, so... Him and Zibby accounted for five of their goals, each put one in the net on the power play, and then Kevin Rooney had a shorthanded goal. So the Rangers are scoring in a variety of different ways, not to mention we did go two for three on the power play, uh, despite having less shots than the Sabres, who were kind of in a tough 
patch. They lost Jack Eichel for the season a couple weeks ago. So, you know, hopefully we can beat up on them again tonight. I think Zibby's our player to watch. The guy's got 18 goals on the season. He's been ecstatic to watch. Adam Fox leads all NHL defensemen in points, 46 points, 41 assists, not to mention. Yeah. He's an outstanding young talent. I really like him a lot. And I think, quite frankly, the Rangers are in a good position to continue to put pressure on the Bruins, but I don't think we will make the playoffs. I think we're going to come just short. I'm not saying we're not a playoff team, folks. Just with the way the playoff yeah. system this year, it does not work in our advantage to get in. So. Yeah. If you guys had a little more time, and I said this in the uh, the beginning of the year, and I've said it recently, is that if the Rangers – and you got to remember, all these storylines that the Rangers had literally from day one with Tony D'Angelo being number one, uh, Artemi Panarin with his off-the-ice issues, everybody hating David Quinn, Mika Zibanejad, Two and a half months into the season, finally turned things around, showing I think that COVID legitimately, legitimately caused him issues to be slower and not as aggressive as a player as we've seen him been, as he's been one of the best players the last month and a half in hockey. I think him and Artemi Panarin uh, are like top three in terms of points the last month and a half, and we've seen that turnaround as well. Filipino uh, being out for as long as he was, Jacob Truba missing time, figuring out line situations. I mean, again, if the Rangers had another month or even maybe even a couple of other weeks, I'd say that they'd beat out Boston, to be quite honest with you. They just – time is not on their side, and the schedule for Boston is definitely not in favor of the Rangers making the playoffs. I think that's where the problem lies. But let's be honest with ourselves. This is an up-and-coming hockey team. And Alec oh, yeah. Walton, the comment, New Jersey oddly gives the Bruins issues. I can't stand it. Well, everyone has that team, Alec. Uh yeah, thank you so much. For, actually, we're going to have a Bruins fan on at 7.30, so make sure to stick around for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then Brian Attard from the Sports Box. Make sure to go check him out on the Sports Box. They are hosting draft shows on Thursday and Friday. Um, we are going to promote them as well. They are Him and Mike Galetta do a lot of good stuff over there at the Sports Box. They'll be covering both rounds, one, two, and three, on the first two nights of the draft. It's not about this year, he says. The Rangers dominate the Eastern Conference within two years. Arrow pointed way up. Yes. I, I don't disagree. Because don't disagree. they've gotten two of the four best players to enter the draft in the past two years, in my opinion. I'm not going to go as far and say that they're the best two, but two out of the best four, I'll go that far and say, in uh, Alexis Lafreniere and um, Capo Caco. But I think those players are going to develop quite nicely. I like Adam Fox. I love Brad Ben. I mean, don't get me wrong. And I think Shosturkin's an up-and-coming goalie. Uh, I think he's not there yet where we want him to be, but I have faith in him. We host the Islanders on Thursday, and then we're at the Islanders on Saturday. So it's going to be an interesting match. I think this these two Islanders games could also determine where the Rangers' fate lies. I know ultimately it may come down to the two Boston games, but the Islanders are coming off a tough loss to the Caps. They lost to them on Thursday Twice. and Saturday, and they don't have their captain Anders Lee, and in six games played this year, the Islanders are 3-2-1 and one against the Rangers. Last year, I'm pretty sure the Islanders smoked us. So yep. not to mention they have one of the best goalies in hockey in uh, Semyon Varlamov, who is tied for the NHL league lead with five shutouts, not to mention he shut out the Rangers on opening night this season. Yep. So that's what it's going to come down to is we kind of – Brian with another comment – 
ping pong balls make excellent GMs. Yeah. I mean, listen, the Rangers, <laughs> if you funny. were to do a, if you were to have a rebuild type of storyline, it, it would be the Rangers all day, every day from uh, landing Artemi Panarin from a situation in which he hated being in Columbus. Uh, Adam Fox being a top NHL prospect, not wanting to sign with not one, but two teams and only wanting to play for the Rangers uh, and then landing the second overall pick and the first overall pick in, in last year in a COVID season, which was a really, really awkward thing. And they wound up getting that ball to not drop, but I guess go up. But yeah, this is true. This is true. Also, I do want to point out, make sure to check out Brian, who's been commenting on uh, highly opinionated tonight that airs live at 8.30 p.m. Him, him and Mike Galletta will be hosting that. So make sure to check that out at 8.30 once we're off the air. So, yeah, what do you expect for these two games this weekend between the Islanders and the Rangers? Honestly, I think they're going to split. Again, like, it's been back and forth all year between these two hockey teams. I still think the Islanders are the better hockey team, but not by much. I think that gap has narrowed a, a lot over the past year or so, especially without Anders Lee, who who has been stepping up in his place? Like, are the Islanders realistically able to beat a team like the Capitals that they did last year? Is Trotz able to do it again with, you know, a shorthanded lineup? Like, is he able to pull that card and take care of the Rangers this weekend and win a playoff series? Do you think that's far-fetched with the Lee, in, uh, with the Lee injury? I think it's – I mean, listen, Lee has been out since, I want to say, March. He took that hit in Buffalo uh, t- towards ACL. Um, they've been – again, it's all about the favorable schedule. And right. not to take anything away from the Islanders because people said the same thing when the Islanders did it, when they won nine in a row, and those nine wins basically all came against the Buffalo Sabres and New Jersey Devils. Nine wins is nine wins. I mean, that's all about taking advantage of your schedule, right? Because right. – if, you, if you're the Rangers or you're the Islanders and you lose one of those games, you know, every critic in the book is going to be like, oh, you know, they couldn't beat this team. But then yet you want to critique them when they beat these teams and say, oh, it's not a legitimate win. It doesn't make sense. There's no in between. But the Islanders, as far as I'm concerned, they're fine. Their biggest struggle for me personally is Pittsburgh. They have struggled with Pittsburgh all year long. And if the season was to end today, I don't think they'd play them because they're at three. I think Washington moved down to two. That Tonight's game could obviously change that for both sides because uh, Pittsburgh plays Boston and the Islanders play the Caps as they are down one nothing right now, I might add. Uh, the Islanders give up a goal within the first minute and a half of the Wait, game. You'll come back. You'll come back and destroy them in the second, third period. And, and with the confidence of Tom Scavetta with this New York Islanders team, I mean, they may not even make the playoffs at this rate, but – They're going to be fine. I I just think the problem is, again, the problem is the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's the team, if I'm an Islander fan, that's the team that I fear. I I don't fear Boston because Boston has been a team that, you know, you talked about teams that always have problems. Boston is such a stacked team with that big three, and now you added Taylor Hall. With the exception of, I think, the last two matchups, I want to say, the Islanders have dominated Boston. They really have. And the Rangers, again, not that they would – I don't think they'd have to face the Rangers, but let's just say they do if the Rangers make a playoff push. They've been so inconsistent on both sides where it's been the Islanders either really taking care of business against the Rangers or vice versa, where I think the Islanders not only have one but two shutouts this year against you guys. I think one right. was recent. 
Uh, the Washington Capitals, again, that's always a tough out because of Alex Ovechkin. That, that could go six, seven games either way, in my personal opinion. But if you have to break it down for me, Pittsburgh is the team in which I fear. But in terms of what you asked, Tom, you know, taking care of business without Lee, his presence, I think, will more so be felt in the playoffs being missed versus in the regular season now where, you know, you could pull games together where, because you asked as well, has there been a guy that's individually stepped up? The answer is no. It's not that they're inconsistent. It's that they have so many great players and not one phenomenal fantastic. I, I, if, if you were to allocate that title to somebody, it'd be Barzal. But in terms of consistency, it's coming from an array of different players. Pajot has five points in the last six games. Barzal has been good lately. Brock Nelson. But again, the question with them is consistency. If they could build that consistency, then they're legit. But in terms of teams I fear, Pittsburgh, that's a team I fear. So uh, I agree. I mean, I know you don't fear the Bruins as much, but uh, we do have to talk about the Boston Bruins. We'll actually bring our guest up uh, now. He looks ready to go. And Connor Walsh making his return to Review and Preview. Connor, good evening. Thanks so much for joining. How's it going, guys? Good. Doing good. Doing, man? Awesome. Thanks for having me. No problem. I know you're our hockey expert. You're always... <laughs> teaching me things every day about the NHL and um, we're, you and I are in a very unique position right now. Both of our teams are virtually fighting against each other for that fourth seed in the East and the Bruins, obviously a, a huge game at Pittsburgh tonight that is just underway. There's no score in that game, but I kind of want your take on the Boston Bruins and where you think they currently lie in this playoff race. Uh, well, I believe if I'm right, they have two games in hand on New York right now. Yeah. Um, and they're what four points ahead. Um, for me, Boston, Boston could be the weakest they've been in a few years just because their decor decor is so banged up. Uh, Brandon Carlo going down, them not bringing Chara back. Um, you know, uh, Krug leaving though, though just a few of those things are just, I think their decor is significantly weak. The weakest it's been in, in years. Uh, Matt Grizz looks good, but he's not a top four defenseman. Charlie McAvoy is a top four defenseman, but was he, and he's played really well this season. But I'm not sure uh, he's really um, a true number one like some other people in the league. Um, he's getting there. He will be. But uh, I think Boston, you know, I think this stretch right here is really what it comes down to is, is their decor being as weak as it's been. Um, they're bouncing new guys into the lineup every night. They're trying to mix and match and figure out what works for them. Um, so it's kind of a little bit scary right now in terms of, for Boston. Uh, playing uh, a team like Pittsburgh where they're loaded, you know, they lost one nothing with a rookie goalie in that the other night, Jeremy Swayman. He's the real deal, if you didn't notice. Um, but... You know, it, it, it's going to come down to Boston has a more favorable matchup. The only thing that I can say is, you know, they have people that have been there and done it. Um, Patrice Bergeron's a proven leader. Brad Marchand could, you know, uh, be up in any debate for pretty much any trophy this year. The Selkie, the Hart, whatever you want. Um, so when it comes down to it, um, I, you know, it's a little bit scary. I think the Islanders should be a little bit nervous. Boston's, what, three points away from them, and the Rangers are, are right behind everyone. That's a good point. I didn't think about that, about the Islanders potentially falling out. We talked about Lee with his injury. I know Kyle as the Islanders fan. By the way, Hank says, what's up? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, it, the Bruins and the Rangers both 
could still get in if they both catch the Islanders. That is a real possibility. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but I mean, you mentioned the Bruins have all these veterans on their team, like Marchand, especially a guy who's been there, done that. This team has won Stanley Cups in the past. I wouldn't count them out by any regards. Now, my question is, you brought up how Pittsburgh and Washington are two teams, or Pittsburgh, that is, that kind of scares you in a series. And Boston, they have been weaker than they've been in previous years. Do you think they have, like, a realistic shot of winning a series or making a run at this? Because you and I both know we've we've worked this stuff in the past. The NHL playoffs are extremely unpredictable. I mean, we saw what happened That's- two years ago. That's why they play the games, you know. Uh, anything can happen in a, in a series where it pans out over multiple games. You, you never know which way the tide's going to go. And, you know, teams that ride hot goalies or go, go, go get momentum, they, they steal rounds. They go deep, and you, you just get surprised. Carolina, a few years ago, made it to the, the conference final with a roster, where, which I was, I was surprised to see in there. Um, again, you know, any, anything can happen, you know. That's, that's why they play the games. Uh, I think that um, uh, Boston realistically has a chance to beat anyone. If they, if they slip in, they can beat anyone. They have a veteran goalie in Duke Rask. Then, you know, if they're playing on back-to-back nights and how the playoffs were condensed last year, and it really mattered if you had a goalie that could play on another night. Um, they have a veteran backup in Jaroslav Halak, who's been there and done it and has proven he can win. They have a rook- some rookie goalies knocking on the door in terms of Jeremy Swayman, who does not seem deterred to be in a game at all. He lost one nothing to, to to Pittsburgh, and he just you could see his poise, composure. He played fantastic. Um, they have the lineup in terms of their forward, the depth um, started to get better. Um, their forwards are definitely playing better. Their decor still is just just makes me a little bit nervous. But I mean, anything can happen in the playoffs. If you get in, the slate's clean, right? Um, last year, I think your uh, New York Rangers um, owned. Carolina in in the regular season and it got to the playoffs and it just did not matter. Um, Thank you I called for bringing it. that up, the, by the way. Thank I, you. I called I called that beforehand. Um, uh, they have they have an excellent coach and he knows how to get them pumped up for the playoffs. I mean, he knows how to get them going, and uh, it was just uh, kind of tough to watch. But you got me. You got me there. Um, we do have a comment from Alec Walt, another fellow Bruins fan. Uh, third line needs to wake up. What do you think about the third line? Um, it's, it's been an odd year, so I can't even – I don't even know how this was supposed to slot in. Jake DeBrusque was supposed to be on their second line. Now he's playing on their third line tonight. Um, he's had a really down year. He's been very streaky. When he's hot, he's hot. When he's not, sitting in the stands eating popcorn. It's, he's an interesting player, but uh, their third line does need to wake up. Charlie Coyle's made a lot of turnovers recently. That's been pointed out to me, um, and he's a good two-way player. You can't have two-way players making turnovers. Um, I, it's their depth right now. They the, the beginning of the season, they were only winning games because Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and David Pasternak cannot be stopped as a line. They're an absolute force. They're one of the most difficult lines, complete hockey lines to deal with. Night in, night out. No team wants to play that one line. No, no defense pairs really relishing that matchup. Um, so if with that said, the, the rest of the team just kind of disappeared. Those three players carried the team early in the season, and now they've gotten some secondary scoring. And um, 
uh, now, now, it's, now the rest of their depth is kind of, uh, is not holding up their end of the bargain like they were in the beginning of the season. Um, but if, if, it, if, if, uh, if it plays out and Boston gets in and the slate's clean, you know, anything can happen. You know, your mindset changes. It's no longer about trying to win a race to get in. It's about just the next game, one game at a time. Connor, something I got to talk to you about, because I, I talked mm-hmm. to a lot of hockey fans about this when uh, the trade deadline was happening. And mm-hmm. I said, watch, Taylor Hall is going to go to a legit team, and I'm telling you he's going to mm-hmm. instantly be better. Because the players around you, when you're surrounded by a winning culture and just better players as a whole, you will instantly be a mm-hmm. better player. Nine games later, six points for Taylor Hall in those nine games, three goals, three assists. Mm-hmm. What were your original thoughts when bringing him over? Um, my original thoughts were Boston. Uh, Boston has this uh, this knack for really letting me down when it comes to the trade deadline. They say they're going to go make a big move, and then they go make a small move, and then they make another move, and you're like, well, that, I guess that solves the issue to some extent. But the, they never go out and grab that flashy thing, you know, a nice shiny new toy. And then this year they went and got Taylor Hall, and I was – I was astounded. I, I uh, wasn't expecting it, but it really came down to his uh, no trade clause in his contract. He he pretty much picked where he wanted to go, and he wanted to go to a team that was uh, going to contend. And uh, I was extremely happy to have him um, because he is a talented player. But I was nervous that uh, he's killed a few locker rooms in his career, or so they say. So uh, I wasn't sure. But uh, those teams that he's played on that were rising, New Jersey. He got there and he helped pick him up a little bit, but and they were building together. But he won the, the MVP, right? With New Jersey, like he his did. First he did win the MVP with New Jersey. They got into the playoffs. They had to play the Lightning. It wasn't fun for them, but they. Uh, the next year it was a down year. He got hurt. The year after that, it didn't start great. They trade him to Arizona at a deadline. Um, he goes to Arizona. He doesn't have. He has a little bit of luck there. You know, he plays okay. Um, well enough. They have an okay playoff run, I guess. They they were in it, at least. Um, and then he leaves. He picks Buffalo so he could play with Jack Eichel. I'd want to play with him, too, but maybe not in Buffalo. Um, and now he's in Boston. So uh, he's bounced around a little bit, but he's an extremely talented player. Playing with people like that is obviously going to make you better. It's a different mindset. Boston's used to winning, being there, being around people who expect to win is different than being around a team that expects to lose. And that's what Buffalo really feels like the last few years. Folks, this is uh, Tom Scabetta, Kyle Russo with Connor Walsh from Norwalk, Connecticut here tonight, joining us on the show. Connor, uh, so we've talked a lot about the Boston Mm -hmm. Bruins so far. And of course, we'll keep an update on their game as it moves along with the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Bruins currently have 10 shots on goal. They hold an edge there. But I want to talk a little bit about the Discover Central division and some of the teams in that um, realm. We have the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers. Florida Panthers have made a nice surge this year after struggling the last couple of years. The Tampa Bay Lightning, defending cup champs, are third right now. And then the Nashville Predators and the Dallas Stars um, Mm. are – pretty much in a dogfight. They're in the most intriguing playoff spot battle, in my opinion. Both teams are hot and only two points apart. The Predators are 7-2-1 and one in their last 10, and I'm pretty sure Dallas is like the same. They're 7-1-2. and two. So I want both of your opinions, but Connor, as the guest, you can go first. 
which team of those two do you think it's in ultimately? Ultimately, I, I really think it's difficult to, to say. Um, Dallas has games in hand, and, you know, games in hand are a big deal. Um, I really think that gives you the advantage night in, night out. Um, uh, and, and in my opinion, I, I, would, I would lean more towards Dallas right now. I really would. Um, their team's a little more well-rounded. They've got a little more depth. They've got great defensemen. Uh, they've got a goaltender who's been there and done it in terms of Anton Kudobin. He went to a, you know, a Stanley Cup final. Um, and uh, they, they have a rookie uh, playing there, Jake Ottinger, who's just kind of stolen the show. He's really good under pressure. He's uh, one world junior gold. You know, uh, he played in college. Uh, he's a, he's a, a young talent. And I, I think that I think if I would have to pick right now, I would go with Dallas. You know, Jamie Ben scares me a little bit too as a person. Um, the big he guy, sure uh, uh, Tyler Sagan, I, I, he's been gone this whole season. He's been hurt. Um, and I have no idea. I haven't even bothered to check if he's going to be a healthy thing for the playoffs, but I imagine if that were to happen, it'd be a dream scenario. Um, yeah. Ben Bishop, if he were to show back up, you know, it's, I really think that if Dallas is doing this with the roster they have right now, you know, next man up sort of mentality, then I believe that it's really up to them right now. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. I'm going to go with Dallas as well. Just, you know, uh, Radulov has only played 11 games all season. He's a key part to their success. I don't know if he's out for the season or if he's – because his last game he played was like March, in the middle of March, March 18th, I want to say. Mm. And like you said, Connor, because I just checked because I was intrigued as well, Tyler Sagan hasn't played a game all year round, but he will be ready at some point next week to play. So that would essentially line them up in that playoff <laughs> position uh, to potentially, I'm not going to say make a run because essentially they'd be playing against Vegas, who's the best team in the league right now, I think, in terms of points at least. Yeah, and, but uh, anything happens in the playoff. Anything ha- Right? <laughs> Dallas made it last year, right? Nobody could have predicted that. But I, I would have to agree, and it just be, I would have to agree just because of how Nashville has, you know, unfolded their season, how, they, they have a guy in Matt Duchesne who, who they paid, hasn't panned out at all. Then, you know, all you hear during the deadline, two of the top players that people would have thought would be gone are two players on Nashville, Arvidsson and uh, Grunlund, I want to say. People thought Grandland, those guys were gone yeah, because they were throwing away the season. And this mm-hmm. is a team now, if the season was to end today, they'd be in the playoffs. And I'm not saying, obviously, with a week and a half, two weeks left in the season, that they're going to essentially give up. I'm not saying that at all, but adding those pieces back to Dallas that can essentially get you back to that playoff berth. I think that puts them over the edge. I would, I would absolutely agree. Um, Nashville has had a weird season the way it unfolded. They had a, you know, some really poor moments and not a great start. Um, UC Saros kind of got his first year of really being the starter. And, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a struggle at first. They lost a bunch of people to injuries all over the season. Matt Duchesne was down. Kyle, no, uh, not Kyle Thurth. Um Ryan Johansson was down for a bit. Um, they've had uh, – even uh, when you were talking about players that were supposed to be expected to be traded at the deadline, uh, Matthias Ekholm was a big name that bounced around everywhere, defenseman. Um, and, you Forsberg know, has been hurt. Forsberg's been hurt. Yeah, uh, it's just a weird season for them. Um I don't know. I, I don't think, you know, if I'm looking at them goalie on out, all the way out, um, I think they've just had a weird season, really inconsistent. I'm not sure what's going on there, but 
I kind of I'm leaning a little bit more towards Dallas goalie goalies out. I just think that you know they have a better opportunity there. They've had um, Jason Robertson's emerged as a as a rookie forward who's played really really well for them. I think he leads their team in assists. Um, Rope Hintz was hurt. They said that he was hurt with a hip injury earlier in the season and that he was going to have to struggle with that all season. And he's still produced at more than a point per game. Um, that's that's amazing. Um, Jamie Ben's always around the top of their scoring. Um, just a, a true leader in every category. Um, and Pavelski. And too. Joe Pavelski. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's just Captain America. You know, he just he just does it all. Been around forever. He, he just won't stop scoring. I want to say he leads them in points this season. He has, uh, I think, around 44 and 48 games. So I would imagine yeah, that'd be the leader. I think he has 20-plus goals, too. So, I mean, you know, good for yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, look, both teams have their hands full. The Predators – are hosting the Florida Panthers tonight. So that's a two against four matchup and the stars are currently fifth seated. They're going up mm. against the Carolina hurricanes at eight 30 at home. But yeah, I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to agree. We're going to go three for three. I think the stars are going to make it as well. I mean, the more experienced team, in my opinion, uh, they were pretty good last year in the playoffs to my recollection. Mm. And I, I mean, we mentioned Sagan's coming back and they have a lot of guys that I really like Jamie Ben, as you mentioned, this team can make a run. This can be a type of team that could potentially upset a Carolina in the first round if they play, because Carolina is still a young team themselves. Now, I know whenever I, I bash Carolina, Connor usually <laughs> retorts with some heat in my direction. But, um, yeah, we're going to go three for three there. I like the Stars, too. Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know what it is with Carolina. They're just an entertaining team to me. I love Rob Brindamore as a coach. Uh, I I didn't think they had a goalie. Like I just didn't think that there was a goalie there. And he'll anybody he puts in net just seems to have numbers for some reason. They just they just play well. I don't know. I don't know what he does Marazic, down there. Right? Is it Morazic? Reimer. Yeah, they had this guy whose name I can't even say. Alex Neglijevic. Negli- I I yeah. couldn't even say it even if I yeah. wanted to. He's like a nine thirty save percentage in twenty games. That's what I'm saying, guys. Like, I don't even know what to do with that. I, yeah. Mrazek was, wasn't even giving up goals for a part of the season. He had, like, four shutouts in a row or something. Some shenanigans. I don't know. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And the one team um, we haven't That team talked. is just – Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. They're, 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 they, just, they just find ways to win, you know? They're very well-rounded all the way out. That's the biggest thing, too, finding ways to win – in this league. That's what separates the good teams from the okay, bad teams. But the one team we haven't talked about in this division is the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they're kind of flying under the radar yet again. They're the defending champs. What do we think about them? Is there any hope for them to repeat? I mean, still got a lot there's, of ex-Rangers on that team. So there's always, a chance. there's always a chance that, the, the, that they could do absolutely anything at any time. Uh, I'm pretty sure Stamkos is hurt right now. Kucherov was was out for the season, but he could be returning soon. I believe I could be wrong about that. But uh, um, if the, if those two players return, their roster's terrifying immediately. Yeah. yeah. Um, they had their defense scores led by a guy who is going to win the Norris again this year in Hedman. Um, they have a goaltender who just makes he just makes it look easy night in night out. He just doesn't get rattled. Um, they could steal just, just, just having a good decor and a solid, you know, group of forwards. If you give a hot goalie, you can, you can win a series very easily. Um, 
Just look at uh, the Rangers, the, the way that they were built before. Henrik Lundqvist used to steal series with a team that was not necessarily built to be a contender at the time, but he, he made them one. So if that's the case, you know, any hot goalie can do it. Yep. It's just incredible when you break down the standings, how they're missing Nikita Kucherov, who, if I'm not mistaken, not last year, but the year prior, went off for, what, like 118 points? They haven't and had him all season title. long. All season long, and they're only three points behind the number one seed in their, divi- uh, in their division. That's how – It's it's on between Braden Point, scoring for them, Blake Coleman, Andre Palat. It's, it's the depth in which they have. And then on defense, like you spoke about, Connor, that doesn't end either when you bring out guys like Sergachev, Hedman, Ryan McDonough. It's just nobody has that type of talent to to mess with. And if they're all healthy, you would have to assume that they'd be as competitive as they are. And I don't even know who you would say could potentially overtake them, at least in the East. Maybe in the West is an argument for a team like Vegas but and maybe Colorado. But other in the East, I don't think there's anybody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I no. mean, um, I, I think that, that they play the games for a reason, you know. Um, I think that, they, you know, there's a chance, obviously, anyone could beat them. Uh, the year before last, what did Columbus do? Knocked them out in the first round. But, yeah. you know, it's, you know it's, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in that division. But we're going to transition into the Honda West now where we have the mm. Vegas Golden Knights the Colorado Avalanche and the Minnesota Wild all clinching playoff spots. And then the four and five seeds respectively are the St. Louis Blues and the Arizona Coyotes. We have Vegas riding a nine-game winning streak, the Wild having a seven-game winning streak, Connor. Um, I just kind of want to get your thoughts on those two teams to start, the Wild and the Golden Knights, what's led to their most recent success and these insane winning streaks they've been on. For Vegas, it starts in their crease. They have two starting goalies, not a goal, not not a starter and a one A backup. They have two legitimate starters, yeah. goalies that could play sixty games each a season. So anyone they put in net, it doesn't matter. They're they're comfortable with his ability to steal a game. And Mark Andre Fleury is probably the hotter of the two right now. Um, uh, he could easily win the Vesna this year. Um, but, you know, uh, the good teams, the, why the, the reason why they're good is their best players are their best players. And Vegas's best players have showed up this year. Max Pacioretty's putting the puck in the net. Mark Stone's doing everything uh, all the way down the ice in every facet. Um, they have Shea Theodore, who's competing for his first Norris this year. Wouldn't surprise me if he won it. He's a great young defenseman, um, and he's improved significantly. Um, they got Alex Petriangelo, you know, uh, he was a captain for a team. You know, they got a lot of leadership in that locker room. That's, they're very well-rounded, very deep. They're just like the lightning, very terrifying. Their, their, yep. their win streak is not surprising at all. Right now they're healthy. Yeah. And to add on to that, you know, you, you have more players as well. Talk and, and you have Alec Martinez who they brought over. I want to say last year of the Kings. So, you know, he has some championship mm-hmm. pedigree as well. It's just, it's again, it's it's a carbon copy of the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Western Conference. It's just so dominant from every angle. It's how do you beat that team? That's really what it comes down to, and that's why they have solidified themselves from. And, and Tom, I was talking about it earlier with you prior to the show, is that, or not during the show, but the fact that Vegas has built such a standing above the fourth seed. It's absolutely incredible. Whereas you look in any other division, it's only maybe a mass of ten points. They've established almost a lead of uh, of twenty five points. 
from from themselves in the fourth team. And that's terrifying. Now think about this. They're exempt from the expansion draft this summer. They get to keep their roster completely intact. They lose nothing. Oh, so they don't even have to let go of Flurry. Interesting. I didn't know that. That's a that's a fun. They're exempt. They're exempt because of how close the expansions were. So right. Just think about how terrifying that is that their roster gets to stay the same and everybody else is at the mercy of uh, a new team. Right. The, the Seattle yeah, we, we could do a show on just this alone. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I definitely agree. I think Vegas is an absolute scary team, but the Wild as well. They've been wild. Um, their rookie left wing, Kirill Kaprizov, has 41 Kaprizov, points. Yeah. Kaprizov, yeah. Uh, 22 goals and 41 points. Is this man rookie of the year? I mean, I think it's hard for anyone else to compete with him for rookie of the with, year. With, without a doubt, unquestionably, undeniably, he's already won rookie of the year. Yeah. No one, no one, no one's doing what he's doing as a rookie for that franchise. Minnesota seemed like they were dead. There was no reason to watch them. What was really there? They had, you know, Zach Parise and Ryan Sutter, two aging stars, you know. But other than that, what was in what was in Minnesota? What was the point? It wasn't even fun to watch games with Minnesota as a team. This kid has revitalized uh, that organization, that franchise. He kind of brought him back from the dead. His skill, his his love for the game, his passion—you see it when he scores. His ability to just skate around the ice, do circles around the offensive end with the puck. He's just an amazing talent. And he's fun to watch. He makes you want to watch their games. It was like when Alex Ovechkin showed up in Washington. They were kind of they were that franchise where you were just sad to watch him. But this kid who loves to score goals and play the game shows up, and he makes them fun to watch. You want to watch him because when he touches the puck, you kind of sit on the edge of your seat. Um, what a talent. Yeah. And the key that I think that, that aside from the talent, but what's inside uh, between the two posts for them has really been key for me as well is that Cam Talbot essentially, you know, after leaving the Rangers, he didn't have much success. Traveled around a couple of places, I believe. Edmonton first, Philly, Edmonton Calgary. Calgary. He, he, he bounced around a lot of places. I'm not saying that he's found his home here in Minnesota, but he definitely has the argument to stay in Minnesota with the season in which he's performing what he's been able to do with around a 930 save percentage, 27 games, 17 wins. So he's been he's been that goalie that once left the Rangers up to that standard of being a number one goaltender. And I believe they have another goaltender as well. Kokonen, I want to say his name is. Kokonen? Yeah. Who's yes. been pretty good he's as a, well as a secondary. He's a rookie, as a too. Yeah. He, at for, one point, he was like 7-0-0. Yeah. Like, he was just a stud. And with Kaprizov, too, didn't – what was it? He broke – what was it? Hosa's record for the Wild? The rookie record? Marion Hosa, I want to say, was the record? I thought it was Marion Gabrick, but it could be Gabrick. Gabrick. That's – I'm confused. Gabrick, another former Ranger they talk about as well, Matt Zuccarello, right? Signed that contract with the Wild. You essentially thought, you know, six years, that was going to be the rest of his career. Wasn't going to hear much from him, but 30 points in 34 games. He's been a great, impactful player for them. He's one of those people that makes plays in space. And, you know, the, it, you know, the better the people you put around him, the better he will be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it kind of revitalized his career a little bit here because last year he wasn't so great. But this year... You know, he gets to play with some some talented players, and he shows you that he still has some talent to match it. Right. No, I definitely agree, um, and that's an interesting point you bring up too. Is there anything you wanted to add on that? Um, Minnesota, <laughs> there, there seems like a goalie rehab 
Yeah. Um, you know, they did it to Devin Dubnik a few years ago when he was uh, not doing so hot in terms of his career. And then uh, now they're doing it again for uh, Cam Talbot. It's, it's impressive. Let's talk about the Colorado Avalanche. Now, obviously, we alluded to before how insane this division is. Uh, the first three teams to, cl- to clinch playoff spots were all in this division. So the only spot up for grab is the four spot between the Blues and the Coyotes. Um, Avs goaltender Philip Grubauer has five shutouts this season. That's tied for the NHL lead. And then Nico Rantanen, second in the NHL. I mean, and, and – and goals, he I mean, he's been outstanding. Um, he he's really been fun to watch for the abs. What's led to their success? Because last year they were really good. And the year before that, I think they were the eighth seed, and then they wound up upsetting Calgary in the playoffs. I believe that was the team that they beat, if I'm not maybe not Calgary. I'm trying to remember who it was, but they beat the number one seed in the West that year, advanced, and then almost took out they lost to Dallas because Grubauer was hurt. I'm not going right. to say that's the reason, but Grubauer being out definitely played a factor in that series because I think that they could have made the cup last year. But, Tom, to answer your question with the Avalanche, they're just a team that's true. With the lack of success that they've had in the past, they've been such a successful team now in the future with drafting guys like Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, who went from a 50-point season guy all the way up to like 100, I think, in just the difference of one season. He had like a 90-point season. He jumped from 50-something to 90 points and has had three consecutive 90-plus point seasons. Then you have guys like bringing in a guy like Grubauer. You brought in a guy like Kadri who has had some problems with Toronto. We saw it on numerous occasions. They got a steal. Landeskov, I think, is one of their longest – I want to say probably one of their longer-tenured avalanche players at this point in time. And then adding some depth pieces, they traded for a Devin Dubnik. Uh, traded for a Devon Taze uh, with the Islanders who were looking to make some cap room, who I thought, listen, I'm, a, I'm rooting for Colorado because I love Devon Taze and never wanted to see him go. I thought he was one of our better defensemen. He's a guy that can put points on the board and contribute offensively as much as he can defensively. I think 20-something points this season, around 40 games. They're just another stacked team. And, Tom, I think you brought up uh, Ranton as well, who's just been fantastic offensively this season. I think Colorado is a terrifying team. Uh, since the COVID, uh, they were they were shut down for COVID, um, and their schedule kind of closed, and then they opened back up, and they had to play a bunch of games. They've been unbelievable since that little the little shutdown there for them. And uh, Nathan McKinnon's just an unbelievable talent. He's the engine that drives that team. Um, Landis Gog does all that dirty work in front of the net, and Miko Rantanen just cleans up. That line is terrifying. Another one of those scary lines. Uh, that people just don't want to deal with. Um, their ability to get wins out of goalies. Uh, they've won with Grubauer. They've won with Dubnik a little bit. And they've won with their their backups. They got one from um, Buffalo, I believe is uh, something, you know, Johnson or Johnson or however you want to say it. Johansson, um, something like that. Something like that. Um, he, he's even played fairly well for Colorado. Um, another deep team, very deep. Um, they've got what Quentin Byfield, uh, another young defenseman who's going to be on that blue line with McCarr for years to come. Um, they're, they're Sam Gerard, young defenseman who's very good. Um, I'm pretty sure Eric Johnson's still kicking around Colorado, who you know he's been there and done it. And he's very solid to a defenseman, um, once a former number one overall pick. So 
uh, Colorado, just a very extremely talented team. Uh, honestly, that division, uh, I really think it comes down to, uh, in my opinion, I would have to say Colorado and Vegas somehow are going to be the two teams trying to figure out who's going to the final. Well, they played tonight. And I'm sorry, they played tomorrow night. That's going to be fun. In Vegas, too. 9.30 start time on NBC Sports uh, Network. I mean, you have to talk about Stone, too, for Vegas. He's been outstanding. 35 assists on the year. Uh, and Nate McKinnon, Rotten, as we just talked about, those guys. I mean, both teams just have a plethora of weapons. You just can't account for all of them. And it's going to come down to who has the most firepower, who has the most energy, and who wants it more in this game tomorrow night. And ultimately, that division, the one spot is still in play. Colorado is not out of it just yet. So it'll be – I mean, even the Wild, I mean, you have to consider them too for that one spot. They could potentially, if they keep winning – I mean, I think Vegas is unstoppable, but the Wild and – the Golden Knights are both on hot winning streaks where Colorado could now be in danger where they could slide to the three spot, which I think that would hurt their uh, home ice advantage if they do go against the uh, the Wild in round one. So that would be intriguing as, as well. But any final thoughts on the Honda West? Um, I mean, just an interesting division. <laughs> Tom, to add on to your point, I mean, they, they do – both these teams, Colorado and Minnesota, both have very favorable schedules. Um, you know, Minnesota, I think, really rounds off the season, just ending off with St. Louis, and then they finish off with Anaheim. I think they play Vegas another two times. But then Colorado, they finish with San Jose a couple more times, who's not been good, uh, and Los Angeles Kings. And then they play the last yeah. game of the season against Vegas. So they both have very favorable schedules, so it can do, you know, second and third, back and forth. But, I mean, in terms of who I think is going to be there at the end of the day, like Connor said, it's it's Vegas and Colorado to lose, I think, for the entire to represent in the finals. Right. That's a good mm. point. Uh, um, I, I don't know if this was covered, but who do you think gets in between the St. Louis and Arizona? I know it's a little bit of a race there. I know that uh, St. Louis has got some games in hand, and they're ahead technically by a point. But, I mean, mm. still games left to play. The thing with both these teams, which I was very surprised about, is that I don't – more so probably St. Louis – is that offensively they have zero problems. I mean, Tarasenko really hasn't – after that injury uh, yeah, he just, before he's the finals, back a few weeks. He, he really hasn't been himself necessarily, I guess you'd say. Again, he's been back, but not up to the standard in which he was playing at that star-level potential talent. But guys like Jaden Schwartz and guys like Ryan O'Reilly – Tory Krug has been good as a nice addition after the loss of Petrangelo. But Jordan Bington has not been great. Like, he, he just has not been, uh, to be quite honest, he hasn't been good. He, he's 15 and 15 with, I think, like a 902 save percentage, maybe like a 910 save percentage. He just hasn't really been good. I, I would say that they've lost more games because of him than they've won more games because of him. And same thing goes for the Coyotes. Darcy Kemper kind of came on the scene last year as a really hot and one of the top goaltenders, and he's had a really down year as well. And maybe that's more so because the talent in front of him. Offensively, they don't seem to really have that much struggle. Phil Kessel has been a good player. Uh, Clayton Keller has been a good player. Um, I know I think Ronta has been hurt as, an, as their backup goalie. But Edmund Larson is a great defenseman. So but both these goaltenders have kind of put both these teams in kind of a similar scenario. I would say that St. Louis has the edge just based on the offensive powerhouse that they have. 
whereas the goaltending doesn't necessarily have to be the determining factor, whereas they don't have the depth, the Coyotes offensively, to deal with the fact that their goaltender right now has like a 900 save percentage. That's a fair, a fair assessment of that. I really love that Jordan Bennington's been bad this year. Still bitter. <laughs> well, I think the Blues are going to make it as the fourth seed. I really do. I think they're the team. Well, I hope they don't. To answer your question, um, <laughs> look, I mean, they're two two years removed from a cup, so I'm not going to mm. doubt them. But I mean, the Coyotes are up and coming team as well. They're under 500, but they're right there in the mix. But um, moving on to the Scotia North, we have the Toronto Maple Leafs. As Alec Wald mentioned before, very sad to see them at the top of that division. The Edmonton yeah. Oilers, the Winnipeg Jets, and then the Montreal Canadiens at four, and then the Calgary Flames at number five. So before we get into this little MVP discussion here, uh, my overall thoughts on this division are – I mean, obviously, Montreal and Calgary played last night. Montreal won that game 2-1, to one, and then Edmonton played Winnipeg last night. They won 6-1. to one. The Oilers had four second-period goals. Connor McDavid had four points. Dude's an absolute monster, three goals and one assist, and they're going to end up playing again tomorrow night. So this Edmonton-Winnipeg back-to-back should be very interesting. And then that Montreal-Calgary battle – is kind of intriguing, but I think Montreal is pretty much set to get in. Yeah, I don't see them necessarily having any problem. Uh, they started the season off really hot. I think the reason why they've fallen a little bit is because Carey Price has been hurt, and that was a sticking point last season in the bubble as well in the playoffs was that Carey Price was just playing like the best goaltender to ever grace a hockey rink in the bubble and literally carrying them. And we saw that in the beginning of the season a little bit as well, and he's had some help offensively from guys like – uh, I'm going to butcher this, Tofolio, Tofoli? Tyler Tofoli. Tyler and, and Thomas Nafar has been good. Shea Weber, who was that notorious trade with the uh, Nashville Predators back in the day for P.K. Subban. Uh, they've been, looks like Montreal won that trade right now. It, it does look like Montreal did win that trade. And they do have they, – they do it. Listen, they have, a, they have a journeyman goalie as well in Jake Allen, who, who's not a bad backup to have, who's kind of been a nice addition for them as well. Um, but Tom, like you said, I don't think that Calgary has it to, to potentially take them over. No. I don't think Calgary has it as well. Uh, they, Noah Hannafin, uh, one of their top two defensemen just came out today. He's having shoulder surgery. He's done for the season. And that to me feels like they're kind of mailing it in. Uh, I mean, you can't obviously force a player to play through an injury, but with that kind of news breaking, it doesn't seem like, uh, it's going to break their way for me. Yeah. Let's talk uh, about uh, – you had something else to add there? Uh, no, I forgot. I forgot where I was going. So if that thought comes back, bring it up. But Connor McDavid is leading the league currently with 81 points. He had four more last night. Is he the league MVP? Just, or does Austin Matthews have, have a case? He's just not without, fair. He's just not without, fair. Without a doubt unquestionably McDavid no one's touching him no one no one can touch him the fact that he, he may it, have a the fact that he may have 100 points in, in a 54 game season is mind-boggling I I'm 100 I, I right now believe he's gonna do it just to prove that he can do it yeah and he's at what like is he I, at 81 right now or something like that 
yeah, I, he needs 19 points, and he's got only a few games left to do it, and I think he might do it. Yeah. He put up four points last night. Like, what's what's to stop him? I don't I don't know any goalie in the league that's saying, oh, we get to play Edmonton tonight? Um, just not – doesn't seem like a fun thing to do. Um, Austin Matthews has been burying the puck uh, an unbelievable rate this year. I think he, if, if they pulled a full, played a full 82, he'd have 60-plus goals this year for the first time in – what five or six years, seven years that the, the players done it. The last two people to do it were um, Sam Ghost and, and Ovechkin. I think they tied, right? I think I you're think right. So. I remember Ovechkin. I don't remember Sam Ghost, but I think you're right. Okay, I think that well, they tied. They won Rook Richards together at one point. Sam Ghost and Ovechkin tied one year, and then I think Ovechkin scored sixty the next season. But regardless, what a if if this would have played out, Matthews would have potentially had a shot at 60. I mean, you know, you never know with injuries or not, but that's an insane thought to think about. With that being said, you, you add an additional, you know, remainder of a full season, McDavid would have had 150 points. Or more. Hey, or like, more. Don't, even, how, don't yeah. even don't even discount it. Yeah, like, exactly. What, what an animal. Um, I don't an think animal. anyone I mean, can touch He's him. only 24. Yeah. Yeah, and if you think about that, we were just making a big deal about uh, Krill, uh, Kaprizov in, in Minnesota. He's 24 as a rookie. He's a rookie this year. He's 24 yeah. years old. McDavid's yeah. 24 in his, what, fifth year in the league? Yeah. Sixth year He's in been the in the league, league since 16, 2016. He entered the league. Uh, only only five years? Uh, yeah, five years. Yeah, this is his fifth and he's year dominated every year. Uh, I think I believe it just yeah. came out recently that even Wayne Gretzky said – it's, an, it's, an, it's, it's unbelievable what he's doing. He's a generational talent. He's doing something I couldn't do, and he's doing it a harder time than when I was as good as I was. Yeah, right. I think, I think I mean, he even went as far to say that he's, he's better than Gretzky. Yes, I, I believe he did say that. He said he was proud of what he did, but I believe he did say McDavid's better. Terrifying Absolutely. thought. Yeah. No, it is. Um We'll see how his career unfolds, though, in the coming years. Obviously, Edmonton, they were struggling a couple of years ago, but now they're they're up there, and they're going to be a tough out in these playoffs for sure. You know, I'm looking across the scoreboard tonight, NHL scoreboard, and through the five games that have, um, you know, started so far, there's only two total goals in the five games combined. The Islanders are obviously down one nothing. The Devils are leading the fall up, oh, and the Rangers just scored against Rangers the just scored. Sabers, Brendan Smith. Very nice. Uh, Bruins Penguins no score. Second period just underway, and then the Red Wings taking on Columbus. As Hank with the update, thank you very much. But um, yeah, it's you know we have a good slate of games tonight. It should be interesting. That Panthers Predators game should be good. Uh, Carolina Dallas. But uh, Connor, anything you wanted to add to this segment on anything before we uh, let you go here? Um going to be fun we should do a show for the first round <laughs> once this finalizes yes we definitely should uh, look into that um some entertaining things to, to, to talk about uh in the future uh we'll see uh how this uh scoring rates pans out Meg mcdavid finally hits 100 um finally see who gets the cash in i know it's, it's going to be a fun little foot race to the end 
Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Connor, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Thank we will you, guys. Have you back soon. Awesome. Sounds good, guys. All right. Thanks, Connor. Hey, man. All right. That was Connor Walsh from Norwalk, Connecticut. Uh, love Connor. Uh, really good insight when it comes to hockey, Kyle. Um, you know, hopefully his Bruins don't make the playoffs, but. Um, you know, I mean, that would mean your team gets in, so. Well, you don't know that. You don't know that. I mean, it, it could know, still be – look, it, it could still be Philly. It could – No, mean, Philly's, Philly's done. Philly's done. Well, especially they're down one nothing to New Jersey. I mean, the and Islanders could get five behind bumped. you guys. They're five behind you guys, let alone a playoff spot. They're how about, nine points. How about I just turn around and say this? I don't think the Islanders will make the playoffs. Now, how would that make you feel in reverse psychology terms? I mean – Listen, just, the, the, the negativity will always come out. Even if it's not implied as negativity, when you speak the negativity, it will wind up happening. I'm Listen, you, you remember, as soon as I think you said something, they went on like a five-game losing streak. As soon as you said that, they lost every single game that week after you said something on the show. Yeah. Oh, it, it man. happens. I'm sorry. I mean, you know, especially you, you can't beat Washington either. I mean, it seems like no New York sports team. Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say that. The Giants have Washington's number. But as far as the Islanders go, uh, let's see if they can continue to keep up their momentum. But we do have one final segment tonight. We want to talk about switching gears off of hockey. We're going to transition into the NFL for our final segment. This will be a short about 10-minute segment. We're going to talk about the career of Cowboys linebacker Sean Lee and why this is relevant to tonight's show with the draft coming up. We're both diehard Giants fans, and we saw Sean Lee very often um, throughout the course of his career. He played 11 seasons for the Dallas Cowboys. He never started all 16 games, had a very injury-riddled career, Kyle. Yeah, that's incredible. When you, I think you texted up this morning or you wrote it on the script or something that he's never played all 16 games in his 11-year career, but definitely extremely impactful. I think he was like eighth all-time in Dallas uh, leaders in terms of tackles. I think he had three, uh, I want to say three 100 tackle seasons or something like that, Back or four actually, combined four 100 uh, tackle seasons in his 11-year career. Yeah. But, I mean, to to speak upon the injury, I mean, tearing your ACL once has got to be hard enough. I think he did it three times. I want to say it's unbelievable. Yeah. Kind of like a Thomas Davis scenario. Um, and Lee was really good. I mean, I've spoken to Cowboys fans. They're happy Lee's not coming back. They're happy that he retired because they kind of want to move on. Um, I think they were kind of hoping Leighton Van Der Esch would replace him, but that experiment has not worked out great so far. Um, but it'll, I mean, you can't replace Sean Lee. I mean, Linebacker out of Penn State. I remember he had that 22 tackle game against the Giants in 2016. Um, he's an outstanding guy on and off the field. 14 career picks, returned two of them for touchdowns. Uh, yeah, and three of his 100 plus tackle seasons came three years in a row, 2015 through 2017. So a lot of them came in the latter end of his career. And in 2016, he absolutely went off, had 145 tackles. That was among the NFL league leaders. Uh, he had four picks in a season on two separate occasions, which is almost unheard of from the, the linebacker um, position. 
Right. From the, I'm not going to say modern. I mean, there's some linebacker. Like, I'm not talking about like Devin White. I'm going to say like, you know what it is? Back in 2013, it was like unbelievable when he did that with four interceptions. But now, now I guess it's taken for granted a little bit because you see it, right? But back then, absolutely credible feat. Alec Walt with a comment. I hope this doesn't mean Parsons won't be available at 15 now. That's interesting, too, because the Cowboys, they could go linebacker, linebacker, but I don't think he fits their scheme. Don't they run a 4-3? I don't know. Nolan's out of town. Who's their defensive coordinator now? Uh, The guy from Atlanta, Dan Quinn. Oh, yeah, Dan Quinn. That's right. So I mean, he could. I mean, listen, they're just a team that – they're not a team that, uh, as far as I'm concerned, worries about scheme as much as just adding talent to the roster. And – as Alec comments in the roster, they, they should take horn. I read an article today um, about the Cowboys. It was back in 1998 when it happened. Jerry Jones had never forgiven himself for what had transpired and happened. And this is why I guess the Cowboys are the way they are. The Dallas Cowboys in 1998 needed defense. And they drafted a, a defensive lineman. And who did they pass up on? Randy Moss. Why? Because you didn't need a wide receiver when you had Michael Irvin. You didn't. But imagine that would have been another at least two, three Super Bowls, Emmitt Smith, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Randy Moss, easily. And since that point on, that's why you've seen draft picks like this, right? Especially last year, taking CeeDee Lamb, not because you need him, but because why not? And I don't think that's more so the case this year because I think there's so many defensive prospects in which are Highly touted, like a Patrick Sertain being compared to a Marlon Humphrey, who's one of the best corners in the game. Uh, like a Micah Parsons, who people are saying are is an immediate type of impact player. Right. But don't be surprised, to be honest with you, if they go, if one of those guys, like, again, that, that Heisman Trophy winner this year, Devonta Smith, if he's hanging in the, in the realms of that 10th overall selection, to be honest, don't be surprised. I really wouldn't be. I think Micah Parsons... Not that it would be an ideal fit, but imagine that linebacking core, Tom, with Jalen Smith, Leighton Vander Esch, and Micah Parsons, especially with a defensive line, which, if healthy, because they were hurt last season, again, the secondary is still, you know, not good, but up front, how how you run on the football. Exactly. Yeah, they have a lot of issues, the Cowboys, in particular on defense. I think, I still think Sertan's going to be their pick. Uh, Yes. Horn, a lot of people are saying Horn. Um, has higher upside of the two because there are some concerns about Patrick Sertan's game as there is with every NFL prospect. But back to Sean Lee for a second. Uh, He only made the Pro Bowl two times, but he was pretty much, in my opinion, always a borderline Pro Bowl linebacker. He's going to be very difficult to replace for the Cowboys. And I think they probably won't go linebacker at 10 only because – they do have Van Der Esch. They do have Jalen Smith, my guy, out of Notre Dame. I don't think Parsons necessarily fits their scheme. Plus, um, you know, Jerry Jones has t- proven to us in the past he doesn't really concern himself too much with the character issues uh, on and off the field. I know I, – I think the Giants could potentially take him at 11 if they look past those issues. I mean, he has ties to Sean Spencer, our defensive line coach, but – I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see. I don't want to. I don't want to deteriorate too much into draft talk, as we'll be talking about that 
pretty much on Friday all night. Um, Plenty. But uh, Sean Lee, yep, retires a Dallas Cowboy. Kyle, anything you want to add on Sean Lee? Uh, no, I don't think there's much more to say. I, I really don't. I think that he was one of probably one of the best linebackers for probably the last, I don't want to say the last decade, but at least the first five, six years of the 2010 to 2020 decade. Um, and obviously a career cut short and a injury riddled career that, you know, kind of hindered him from being that consistently. You know, we saw the same type of thing with a Luke Keekley, but right. Well, and we kind of just had a discussion like this previously about Julian Edelman when he retired. We mentioned how he never played 16 games in a season. Same thing with Sean Lee. So yeah. even the years he was healthy, he was still missing games here and there. But, uh, folks, that'll do it for tonight's episode of Review and Preview. Before we go, just want to plug a couple of things. Our weekly schedule, we have Hitting for the Cycle tomorrow with Hank and Dichter. On Thursday mm-hmm. night, the night of the first round of the NFL draft, we will – Post our NFL Draft Video Reaction Challenge on Instagram. Make sure to check that out. As I'll be on the Brew Party, we'll we'll share that show on here as well. They're having a draft special at 8 p.m. But our draft special, I want to plug, it is this Friday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time with Kyle Russo, myself, and more guests. We have a lot of guests lined up, Kyle. I'm really, really looking forward to to Friday night being on with you talking about the NFL draft. Yeah, it should be a really good time. Definitely entertaining. But that should be a lot of fun. Uh, So, like I said, join us at 6.30 on Friday for our NFL draft special where we cover the second round of the NFL draft and speak with several guests. Um, A couple of guests we are going to have on, Alec Walt, who has been commenting in the stream all night. We're going to have him on. We're going to have our old buddy Fonz DeFalco back on. Looking forward to having him, Kevin Fitzmorris from JDF Sports, and plenty more. So, but until then, I want to thank you all for joining us on tonight's live stream. I'm Tom Scavetta on behalf of Kyle Russo. Want to wish you all the best. Enjoy draft week, folks. Get yourself pumped up. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys again on Friday. You've been watching this exclusive episode of Review Preview here on Facebook Live. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>